All right, John chapter 1. We're going to uh, just share a little bit today. I was reading and I came across the story of a little village in Austria by the name of Rattenburg. Rattenburg. And as of 2005, this village had about 400 residents. 400 people lived in this village and people were leaving. People were, you know, just fleeing that place. They didn't want to be part of that city or village and they wanted to go elsewhere. And one of the reasons was that <clears throat> nestled, uh, this little city is nestled right behind the Rat Mountain, which is a 3,000-foot obstruction that blocks the sun from November all the way to February. Can you imagine that? For four months out of the year, there is no sunlight that will ever touch any of the structures or city streets or parks or anything within that little village. You can kind of look up and see the sun behind the mountain, but it's darkness in that village for four months. Now, some of us uh, go through seasonal depression, and it would be a nightmare for us to live in this town where there is no sunlight. You know, some of us get up early in the morning and then we come home. It's, it's dark when we get up. It's dark when we get home. And it's like, ugh. Well, these guys have four months of that. And so this little village was willing to gamble $2.4 million on a hopeful possibility. Someone say possibility. They invested all that money on installing 30 heliostat mirrors onto a mountainside. See, these mirrors would be on the mountainside that actually receives some sunlight, and through all these different mirrors, they wanted to reflect some of the light back onto the city square. $2.4 million in order to just shine a little bit of light on the city square. For this village, these mirrors represented hope. We live in a world that needs hope, doesn't it? We live in a world that is in desperate need of hope. Not just the need for the possibility of hope, but the need for the certainty of hope. We want the certainty of it. We don't want to believe that it's, it could happen. We want to know that it will happen and that things will be okay. And I believe that we who serve Jesus Christ, who know Jesus Christ, we know for sure that he is our hope. In Christ, we can know that things will be okay, even if they are not okay right now. I know that they will be okay, even if the reality of my circumstance does not look so. It will be okay because of who he is. We can have certainty, not just in the possibility, if we know Jesus Christ. As we approach Christmas... In just a couple of weeks, I want to bring this hope bringer into focus. I want us to look at the hope that Jesus brings us. And we're going to look at a couple of texts here in John. Uh, we'll see how far we get to today. As I've said with you, God is just trying to do something, speak something in our hearts. And I hope that we catch it. I believe that Jesus brings hope. And in these first five verses of the Gospel of John, I want us to take a look at what he says about the word. 
a word, the word, which is a title that we know if we look down in John chapter 1, verse 14 through 18, that Jesus Christ is the word. We're talking about Jesus. They're one and the same. The word and Jesus are the same. And in the first five verses, he teaches us some incredibly powerful truths about this hope-giving truth about Jesus, this hope-bringer, hope-dispenser, hope dealer and we want to learn about this Jesus in these verses because I believe that if we do so it won't just shed a little bit of light into our lives it will revolutionize our lives if we will grasp onto the reality of who he is it will change our neighbors lives it will change our community it will change the very world around us if we can grab a hold of who he is amen so if you're in John chapter 1 say amen Amen. John chapter 1, verse 5. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God. He existed in the beginning with God. God created everything through Him, and nothing was created except through Him. The Word gave life to everything that was created, and His life brought light to everyone. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. Lord, I thank you for your word. And I pray, Lord God, that you would just grab a hold of our hearts. Let it apply its truth to the circumstances and realities of our lives. In your precious name, I pray. Amen. Amen. So let's look through this a couple, these couple of verses, verse by verse, and see what we get. First thing I want you to see here is that Jesus Christ is and reveals God. Jesus Christ is and he reveals the Word. He is and he reveals God. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. What John is doing here as he's writing, we believe that John wrote this, uh, you know, not one of the first gospel writers. We had Matthew, Mark, and Luke who wrote before John. John is elderly in age. He is um, right now probably writing around 80, the, the year 80 AD. The temple has been destroyed and all of these different things have happened within Israel. There's persecution that's happening, all these different things. And now in his old age, he is putting pen to paper and he's writing some things. Things have been said about Jesus. The gospel writers that went before him have talked about the origins of his ministry and the genealogies you know, of his heritage and all of these different things related to when he started and how he started. And now John is saying, if I have to write about things, am I just going to write what has already been written what approach am I going to take and John begins right here and he echoes not just the beginning of Jesus earthly ministry but he goes back and ties Jesus to the beginning of everything the echo here is bringing him back to the word that Moses put down in Genesis chapter 1 what John is doing is throughout these verses he is putting ink to paper in a way in which people, when they see this and they say, in the beginning, they're like, oh, that's Genesis. Oh, that's the beginning of time. Let's, let's go back to the very essence of when this all started, the creation. Let's look at light, darkness, and all that was happening in that place. For Genesis 1 says this, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. 
And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And God separated the light from darkness. Before John tells us about creation, he introduces the word. Now, a first century Jewish person who was listening to John and reading his scriptures, he would have said, oh, God spoke creation into existence. God said, and then there was light. God spoke, and then things happened. And so John goes on to tell us in verse 14 through 18 that the word became flesh, and then he tells us that that person is Jesus Christ. When John speaks the word, he speaks of Jesus Christ. And notice, the word was with God and the word was God. Jesus existed before creation. Jesus is not created like you and I are created. We don't have an origin like Jesus. Jesus was an origin in and of himself before origins were made. He was there in the beginning before time began. He was there with God in relationship with him. At the same time, he was and he is, can somebody say, God. John is writing in a way that points to the Trinity. He is making an allusion to what was there in the beginning, the, the Spirit of God hovering over the water. God said, let us make man, in, let's make creation, let's make man, let's make the, the, the everything. He says, let's do this. He is pointing back to the Trinity. And we have a hard time kind of connecting this, but um, what he is trying to allude to is the very beginning Jesus was there. He is the word of God. He is the representation of God. He is the visible image of God. He is, he was, and he will be. The idea that Jesus is God is not just a, a type of deity, not just divine in his nature, but he is God is captured right here in John's writing. He is equal with the Father in his deity. He is God and if one doesn't believe that Jesus and God are one, then we're not believing in the Jesus that the Bible proclaims. See, a Jehovah's Witness might show up at your house and he might look at this text and he might say, well, there's no article uh, when it talks about this. And so it's not saying the God and the word and all of this stuff. And so uh, there is a disconnection. He's divine, but he's, he's, he's not God himself. Well, there's a reality that John could have used a whole bunch of different words. There is another word that he could have used for divine, but he instead chooses the word itself of God. He says that he is, he was, he was there. Paul speaking, he writes this in Colossians, He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn out of all creation. He is the representation. I want to bring this into our awareness this morning because as we go through the season of Christmas and we get ready to celebrate all these different things and gift giving and family and and the blessings that God has given us and we put Christmas trees and we you know sing carols we do all these different things let us not lose sight of the fact that we are celebrating the arrival of God himself in the flesh we are celebrating Jesus Christ who was who is and who will always be the invisible uh, God manifested in a visible form. That's Jesus Christ. And he who was at creation, who was before any one of these 
created things ever came to be, before you or I or the problems that we experience and the challenges that we come through, the things that we you know, encounter within our lives, all that has been created out of an action of someone else or a circumstance in a nation or the, the, the affairs of current events and whatever it is, all of that has been created thus far. We serve a God that exists completely outside and prior to what has been created. The one who can see everything and know everything, he's the God that we serve. And that brings me incredible hope. That in the midst of my circumstance, there is one who is entirely different, who is completely outside of the realm of what I encounter and deal with in terms of limitations, who understands it all and says, hey, I'm with you. I've got you. I'm by your side. What does the word mean here? It's a loaded term in the day when you look at this word. The word already existed. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. The word was God. The word that is used there in the Greek is the word logos. And this word here is a great word that uh, has some incredible, incredible meaning. The Stoics, the Greeks, believed that this was an embodiment of reason and logic and all of that stuff. But when John speaks, he is talking about the connection between in the beginning God created, when God released his word, the word was what brought forth creation. There is a power, there is an association with an ability that happens through the word. God's word in the Old Testament is his powerful self-expression. It's his powerful revelation of creation and salvation. It's the personification of what that word meant. It's suitable. It applies right here because Jesus Christ is the ultimate self-disclosure, the person of his own being, God, the Son of God. That is the word. In Jesus, through Jesus, all things have their being. That's what the Bible teaches us and tells us. Jesus reveals to us God. He is the ultimate disclosure of him. When we want to understand God, we look to the Son. If we want to know the Father, we look to the Son. Warren Wizardry said, just as our words reveal our mind and heart, so Christ reveals the mind and heart of God to men. Hebrews 1 Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his what? Son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. God made himself known. And he is known through the image of the Son. You don't have to wonder this morning what God is like. You don't have to wonder what he has revealed and if he will reveal himself. You don't have to wonder this morning about the heart of God towards people, towards you, towards your neighbor, towards your boss. You don't have to wonder that. You just have to look at how Jesus contemplated and considered how he lived, how he acted, how he modeled, how he engaged, how he declared you to be what he spoke of you. You look to Jesus and you have the revelation of God. You know of his character. You know of what he desires, what he yearns for. He is fully the expression of who God is. Not only is he 
in God, the power of God, the visible expression of God. Jesus Christ is an agent of creation. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Verse 3. Everything that was made, everything that exists, it lives and abides within God through Jesus Christ. That's another reason why we can't be a creation. He, he can't be a creation. He was never excluded from it. He, he was always uh, you know, a part already there. He did not come into being. He was. He is. He is to come. Colossians 1 says, For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him. Everything on earth was made through and for Jesus. You know, we can understand that when God breathed life into man. He said, let us make man in our image. Then he, he got down, he molded man, but then God breathed into man the breath of life. We can understand that right there from the get-go. If Jesus is there, if the Spirit of God is there, if God is, then Jesus Christ at the very core has given us the breath in our lungs. But we know that beyond that, if we look at this world and in terms of everything else that is there, you know, what John and, and later Paul was telling us is astounding. That Jesus Christ was born in a manger, a carpenter's son. He came meek and mild and all of these things. This man who was crucified by Rome at the request of, of the religious leadership. This man was not just a man, but this man was God of all the earth. And through him and in him, everything has their being. He brings everything into order and everything makes sense within him. And what I love about this reality is that if he is the agent of creation, then we can give him praise and glory because he alone deserves it. You know, when we gathered on Thursday for Thanksgiving, how many of you guys looked at your friend or your family member or whoever was gathered with you and you just admired how well they can eat? Did anyone do that? Probably not. But when you took a bite of that, you know, amazing mac and cheese and that delicious turkey and cranberry sauce or, you know, for those you Brazilians, that incredible rice and tutu, whatever it is that you ate, you know, or for, for my Puerto Rican friends, the, the, the rice with gandules and all that good stuff, right? Um, when you ate all of that stuff and the, and the taste buds were firing in your mouth, you didn't say, wow, man, I can really eat. You were saying... To whoever cooked it, you did an amazing job. Good job. This is awesome. Thank you. This is so tasty. This is great. This is incredible. You gave praise to the person who made the meal. In the same way, when I look at this, and John tells us that God created everything through him and nothing was created except through him, I can go ahead and give glory and praise and adoration to the one who made it all possible. I can ascribe to God the glory and say, man, I don't take credit for this, but I got to give credit where credit is due. You are the one which upholds everything. In you and everything has its being. You are worthy of all praise. You are deserving of all glory. You are the one who made this possible. My allegiance, my obedience, my praise all belongs to you because you are the agent of creation. If he is the agent of creation, church, can you not be filled with hope when you look at the puny circumstances of your issue? 
And you realize that the one who created the universe, who called the stars by name, who tells the ocean to go this far and no further, if he is the agent of creation, can he not create an impossible deliverance in your impossibility? And turn that impossible situation into what is possible with him. All things are possible in Christ. All things are possible to him. Nothing is impossible. As we sing, nothing is impossible to you. Nothing. Why? Because he is the agent of creation. I can call upon a God who knows how the, the laws of thermodynamics work, and he actually created them to be. How the laws of gravity have come into being, he actually pinned them and placed them in their places, and he creates them in that fashion. I can call upon him who is the agent of creation to be my God, my Savior, my Redeemer, the one who makes a way in my desert and reveals to me his will and his good plan. Pleasure. He is worthy of our worship as we come into this Christmas season. Jesus Christ deserves all of the glory. Not only that, but he is there at the beginning. He's the agent of creation, and Jesus Christ gives us life and light. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Remember, John is speaking to a people here, and he's contemplating the connection between God. His goal is to talk about Jesus. He is the Son of God. He is the Son of Man. He is the one who did some incredible miracles. There are seven I Am statements in the, in the, mirror, in the Gospels of, of John, and he's going to share you know, all about the identity of Jesus Christ. He's echoing creation in Genesis, where he literally says, the air in our lungs, it's because of Jesus. In particular, life as it relates to him, Humanity is because of him. He brings life, the light of man. This could not be um, something that we forget in this Christmas season. We have to lay hold of this reality that he brings life. He's the light of man. It is about him. It's about him alone. He brings life in this season, not the gifts, not the, 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 the caroling and not all this other stuff. All that stuff might bring enjoyment. It might bring joy into our lives. It might bring, you know, memories and opportunities for us to be together and have fellowship. It's about him. He brings life into the situation. He is the thing that John is talking about. His book talks about how spiritual life, true life, eternal life comes through him and him alone. It's through Jesus, the light of the world. It's through Jesus, the way, the truth, and life. It's through Jesus, the gate in which we must enter in through. It is through Jesus, the bread of life. It is through Jesus that we experience life, that we experience truth, that we experience salvation, that we experience God's mercy. It's through Jesus. Maybe we've made it about something else. It's Jesus and this and that and whatever. It is Jesus. You are made in God's image. Jesus Christ has given you life and ensured, and he stamped his image upon you and I. We are his image bearers. You are made with dignity. You are made with value. You are made with worth and purpose. Life is precious. He is the one who brings that into being because we are made in his likeness. He declares you and I, as he would say in Genesis chapter 1, to be his creation. 
as Paul says, workmanship of God, created ahead of time for good works. The issue is that we live in a world that's not a Genesis 1 world, but we live in a world that's also a Genesis 3 world where there has been the fall of humanity and the issues uh, that was brought forth in the garden, it's marred us as the image bearers of God. There is sin that entered into the world because of that purpose. And Jesus is inviting us into uh, the reality that, hey, yes, this is the world you live in, but I have also stepped into this world. I've come into your creation. I've come into your existence. I've stepped out of my sphere and domain, and I've stepped into yours so that I can make sense something right of it and I can bring life and liberty to you his salvation has been revealed and brought to us through the life through the death through the resurrection of Jesus Christ he reveals God to us true knowledge of God and salvation is only found in him only in our Lord and Savior I think we have realized that we need light to live like that town that was miserable of those four months. People do live there, but people were leaving. There are things that in this world require light. And we've come to the realization that if you know, we, we could expand this from a macro level and look beyond just that little town and beyond just you know, the, the sphere of plants and photosynthesis and all that other stuff. But if we realize this, if there was no light emitting from our sun in our solar system, we would not be able to have life here on planet Earth. It wouldn't be possible. We would all be frozen. It would all be a frozen ball of earth, and we would not be able to exist. Physical life would not be possible. But that's also the reality that uh, spiritually, without the light of Christ, there is no possibility for spiritual life, for, for redemption, for salvation. There is no possibility. It is the Spirit of God shedding His light inside of our hearts that allows us even to grasp the realities of God, the mysteries of God. That's why it says that, you know, to so many, the gospel is a mystery. It makes no sense to those who are not being saved. It makes sense through the Holy Spirit to those who have received the revelation of God's light within our hearts that we can understand what He has done why did so many of the pharisees in jesus time who had him walking by talking in their midst and 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 sharing the truth of god's word so many of them would walk by and miss the truth of god's word and yet there were others who were there and they were hungry and open and they received it, it is the light of christ that brings the possibility of salvation inside of man's heart he reveals it to us, and without him, we can't come into the full meaning of what this life is supposed to be. It's through Christ that we realize our purpose. It's through Christ that we realize the fullness of life. That's why he said in John chapter 10, I've come to give you life and give it to the fullest, to give it to you abundantly, more abundantly. The thief comes to steal, kill, this. I've come to give you life. He talks about that because it's through him that we get to experience the full meaning of life. Jesus Christ makes things better. This holiday season, as you're encountering, you know, uh, different pursuits and you're trying to amass and get to the holiday and give the best gift and, and uh, you're, you're pursuing your careers and your family and you're about your goals and your dreams and all these different things, realize that you can go about all of this in life and you can accomplish many great things. You can fulfill many great things and God will use you with talents and abilities in many great ways. It's amazing. It's awesome. But it's only within him can we fulfill the fullness of what he's intending us to experience. 
The fullness of life is found in the master. It's found in him. The satisfaction of it all. There's so many who have amassed great things. And when you look at their lives and what they've accomplished and what they've experienced, there's still something that is missing. Lewis calls it, C.S. Lewis calls it the the God-shaped hole that's within man's heart. That we are longing for something that brings fuller meaning and fuller life. And that is found within Jesus Christ. That's why he said to his disciples, come, follow me, I'll show you. Come, follow me. He didn't give them all the answers. He didn't explain all the things. He just said, come, follow me. And in that process, he would reveal to them their purpose, their calling, their mission. He, he led them in the fullness of what he had for them. And day by day, they were enamored by him. And they were in love with him. And they, 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 they were challenged by him, no doubt. And they experienced the fullness of what he meant. Oftentimes, what they thought he meant was not what he meant. And he had something greater in store for them in the fullness of who he is. We experience all that he has for us. Jesus Christ imparts life. He is the light of men. You cannot find true purpose and direction without him. I pray that as you contemplate this Christmas season, that you would keep that in the back of your mind. That he was there before creation. He is the agent of creation. He is the revelation of God. He is the one who brings life and brings meaning. He is all of these things. But one more thing. He is the one that is our victor. Today, I want you to just contemplate that reality. He says here in John chapter 1, verse 5. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness can never extinguish it. The darkness can never extinguish it. Remember, the earth was dark. It was void. It was without form in the beginning. When God spoke, let there be light, there was light. But before then, it was dark, it was void, it was shapeless. And John is using this theme of light and darkness to point to, to, to what is coming forward, that in his gospel, light and darkness have other connotations. He's talking about morality, he's talking about righteousness, he's talking about uh, what's pure and what's not. He's going to talk about the condition of the world and the condition of man's heart and all of these different things due to sin coming in, breaking up God's plan in that sense. Uh, it brought in this darkness. And so people show ignorance towards God. They show rebellion and unbelief towards God because of the dark thing that entered into the world, that thing of sin. And in this world, there are people who rebel against God. There's challenges, there's issues, there's pain, there's suffering. There's all of these different things. And so John in chapter three, he says, and this is the judgment. The light has come into the world and the people love the darkness rather than the light because of their works We're evil. But church, there's hope. There's hope in in the gospel of John, in the text of scripture, that the light of the Son of Man has shined and the darkness did not overcome it. The word for shines is a present active word, which means that the light of Christ, it continuously shines. It doesn't just shine in times and seasons past. It didn't shine at one point and stop shining, but it continuously shines. It continuously pushes out darkness. It continues to move the needle forward. Christ is the light that is victorious. He's the one that has overcome. The the world will not understand. The world will not be able to comprehend. The world will not be able to overcome. The world will not be able to snuff it out and cancel it off. 
It is the victorious reality of God that he is the one that overcomes. And I lean into this reality this morning, in this season, knowing that no matter what I'm going through, no matter what's happening in this world, no matter what is happening in my life, in my family, in my circumstance, in my home, no matter what is going on within my very heart, that God is the word from the beginning. That when he shines, there is no darkness that can overcome him. He is the victor, the victorious one. He is the one who has shined and uh, shown and nothing will be able to understand him in all of his fullness. And so nothing can overcome him and get the upper hand on him. He is for me and with me, my victorious Lord. So we're watching, how many of you guys are watching the World Cup right now? There's a big competition happening, right? But if it's not the World Cup, you watch sports, you got basketball, football, baseball, all of these things, right? What's the reality that happens within these teams? There's some teams that win more than others. There's some teams that have, you know, greater odds at winning because they have the stats, the, the, the statistics are stacked in their, in their favor. They have the training and the talent. They have all these different things. Some teams have, you know, uh, Michael Jordan and Lionel Messi. Others have Derek Jeter and Tom Brady. And some of these guys win a lot. They win often. But the reality of that is also this, that it's not only those individual players that win, but the entire team wins. When they win, the entire team wins. And so in that sense, you got to understand that if we have a victor who has the ability to shine in the middle of darkness and the darkness will not overcome it, and he is on my team, then that means that I win. It means that if I live with him and in him and I hope in him that I am going to experience the blessings of his victory on my life. I'm going to be able to capitalize on his reality and grace and what he has accomplished as I lean upon him and I follow after him. Some of us have to come into the realization this Christmas that no matter what the bills are, no matter what the issues is, no matter what's going on in your world around you, that you are on a winning team. That with Jesus Christ, the victor, who was there from the beginning, who has a part in all of creation, who knows it from an angle that you never have perceived it, who is able to actually bring things into being, who is the one who overcomes in the middle of all the darkness, I can say I will not be moved from this place. I will not be discouraged in this season. I will declare the glories of God and bring praise to his name because he is worthy of it all and he makes a way for me where there is none. Jesus Christ is the hope as our ultimate victor. On the cross, it looked like darkness was triumphant. It looked like he was going to lose. It became dark, and it tells us that when he, Jesus breathed his last, it became dark in the land. And it thundered, and the veil was torn in the temple. And people, some of the very soldiers said, this was the Son of God. And they trembled and they feared but it seemed like his death was a vote of confidence towards defeat. And Satan was triumphant in that moment. But the reality is that when Jesus Christ did not stay in that grave through the power of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit that resurrected him from the dead and brought him to life, who raised him up again, his death, his victory was made clear. That there was no punishment, no grave, no torture, no hell. There was no defeat that he would be succumbed to. 
the light of the world, the way, the truth, and the life, the Son of God, he overcame it all, and he overcomes it for you and I. Jesus Christ is our ultimate victor. And when we align with him through faith, when we come into his family, his team, we gain spiritual victory. We gain it. And so my question for you this morning is as you're contemplating this season, I don't know what's going on in your life. I just felt like the Lord wanted us to press into this gospel of John that is beautiful in its writing, that has so many rich doctrines and theology that we can study and understand. There are so many incredible truths in this place. I felt that the Lord was telling us we need to step into this season of Christmas looking for the hope bringer and inviting him to be the one that changes our world, changes our life, that moves in our circumstance, that is actually changing the dynamics of what we think, what we live, what we believe, how we behave. There needs to be an expression of him being the one who was before creation, who is the agent in it, who is with us victorious, bringing life and liberty, bringing us victory. Can we live aligned with him this Christmas season? Can we live in that reality? Because it's not a good thing to do. It's what the evangelist was saying last week. The world is waiting for us to live that way. The world is hungry to see us in this fashion. The world is desperate to encounter such a God, such a victor, such a meaning, such a life, such a possibility. The world is desperate to encounter. So what dark place in your life today needs the light of Christ to come in and shine and change some of the perspectives and some of the attitudes? If he is the light that shines in the darkness, what dark things are happening within our lives that he wants to shine his light on and say, thus far and no further? I am trying to realign you and bring you into the reality that you are able to experience more of me if you just in realize who I am, who I was, and who I will always be. I invite you to stand with me. The team will come back. I, I'm just hoping that we're going to press into God this morning. For some of us, the question may become, what unforgiveness am I harboring in my heart that am I allowing to remain in the dark places of my life? That I'm not bringing forth and allowing God to move and shed his light on. What secret sin am I protecting in my heart and my life? What area of my life am I feeding an addiction? Am I feeding something that is out of control and out of whack? It's not what God decides and wants from me. For some of us, it may simply be refusing to trust and believe in God for our future, our finances, our family, our relationships, our lives, whatever it may be. If you don't know Christ today, if you have not come into his light this morning, I invite you to make a change today that will forever impact your future and your legacy, your family, and all of your descendants. Make a decision today to follow after the light of Christ. If life looks morally dark for you this morning, maybe it means that you're not walking in the light of Jesus Christ. If life seems to be hopeless for you to mo this morning, then I would venture to say, have you encountered the hope bringing Jesus of John chapter 1? Who was and is and will always be. Have you encountered him today?
What area are you refusing to believe God and trust God and walk with God this morning? Jesus is the eternal word of God. In the beginning was the word already existed. The word was with God and the word was God. He existed in the beginning with him. And everything was created through him. Lord, I pray that you would open up our hearts this Christmas season. I pray that you would, Lord Jesus, change our minds to the reality that, yes, you were a babe in the manger. Amen. But you did not stay that way. You're not just a little baby to be admired. But you are the agent of creation to be reckoned with. You are the reality of life that we need to encounter. Lord, I pray that you would move in our hearts today. That you would open up hope inside of us, Lord Jesus. As we contemplate, Lord God, this text and move forward in the next couple of weeks. Lord, I pray that you would open up, Lord Jesus, the reality of your hope bringing power. There were men and women who traveled far to meet with you. There were men and women who gave up everything when they encountered you. There were those, Lord God, who desperately wanted to follow after you and you said, go back home. Lord, if there's all of this that happened as you walked this earth, If we're not so much as moved, Lord God, to stop and reflect upon you, when we encounter the truth of your word or someone tells us of the reality of your nature, Lord, I pray, is, can, you, can you open up our eyes and our understanding to realize that there might be something broken within us? There might be something that we have not yet come to understand that we're lacking, that we might be ignorant of. If the man who found the pearl of great wealth and worth, buried it in the field, sold all that he had to go and then possess that pearl. Or the man who found the treasure in the field, sold everything he had to go buy that field and by extension, buy that treasure. It would help us to realize that there's something we need to do to encounter you. We need to put you in your right place. You need to take up the right authority within our hearts and minds, our attitudes. You need, Lord God, to take up the right perspective within our hearts, Lord God, that you are the agent of change. That you are, Lord God, outside of every circumstance, able to change every circumstance. And I pray that if there's anyone here today who does not yet know you, there's a reality that without you, Lord God, we're going to be completely in utter darkness for the rest of eternity, separated from God in a place of torment and torture. In a place where, Lord, it won't 
make a difference what we think then, but it all makes a difference and hinges on what we do now. With the reality of who you are, your name, your word. Lord, I pray that if today is a day that people here have not yet come to know you, that Lord Jesus, you would touch their hearts today, not for my sake. And Lord, not that you would get them to say a few magical words because I don't believe that there are actual words that will make us saved, but there is, Lord God, the gift of faith that you have given us. That we, Lord God, align our lives and move after you. And we, Lord God, show with the results of our heart and the actions of our, the, the results of our deeds and actions, our words, that we have aligned ourselves with you. That truly you are Lord and Savior of our hearts. That you are the Lord and Captain of our lives. That you set the agenda. You move us in the direction that you would have us go. And we follow in obedience after you. If there be anyone today who wants to make that type of decision, not say a couple of words and punch your ticket to go to heaven and do whatever you want while you're here on earth, but those of you who say, I want to change my life and align my life with the creator of the universe, with the word that is victorious, with the one who understands me and gives me meaning in life, I want to align myself to him and what he wants from me, that I invite you to do so this morning. Come to this altar and just bow down before God and have a moment with Him, not with me, not with a, a worship a director or a, a deacon and an usher, but to have a moment with God. Align yourselves with Him. Lord, in my frailties and my failings, my shortcomings, I recognize who you are, Lord God, able to do above and beyond all I can imagine. But I pray that you would bless your people today beyond what I have even communicated, Father. You know the thoughts and stirrings that are within my heart, but God, I pray that your Holy Spirit has gone deeper and farther than I ever thought possible. That, Lord, today you would remind people to their calling, remind people to their hope that is found in you. And as they go from this place, Father, I pray that you would stir inside of their hearts and the realities of life and the outflow of what actual living out our faith means. That you would bring this word into reality. that they can text or tweet something on social media, but God, that they can actually go forth and live empowered by the creator, life bringer, agent of change and creation, self-existent, eternal one that's always been, that they can lean upon you, Lord Jesus, when it gets hard and when it gets difficult, when it gets impossible and, and things are outside of their control, I pray, God, that you would lean into them and press into them in those moments. I thank you, Father, for all that you are and all that you've done. 